0: This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message.
1: One of the lengthiest processes after leaving a cult, one that is critical, in the recovery of the person escaping is deprogramming almost anyone who has escaped will tell you that they had no idea that they even needed deprogramming they had no idea that during their time inside the cult that they needed this and even long after they escaped they still had no idea you see the programming is very subtle not noticeable by the listeners and many times not even intentionally administered by the cult pastors. What the pastors do to the people, they do it by example. During the Korean War, Americans held prisoner in the camps of the enemy went through sessions of criticism and self-criticism. This psychological tactic was employed not only against the American prisoners of war, but also against the Korean militia the Korean military leaders recognized the power of programming. This tactic was relatively new to the American military. It was also employed by Hitler in Nazi Germany, but it was widely overlooked until long after the history of the war was examined. These sessions, combined with the other military techniques, became known as psychological warfare. The US Army created a division called Psywar, and it stood for psychological warfare and it was specifically recruiting men with advanced education and intelligence to combat the enemy this technique of criticism and self-criticism had very deep very long-lasting effects the prisoners of war initially felt that this routine was just childish they did not realize that they were likely to suffer these effects for the rest of their lives What they first thought was just slightly insulting conversation became programming that was embedded into their minds forever. The Koreans would repeatedly criticize the American prisoners of war. Their mocking statements would seem childish or playful, but were specifically designed to drive those listeners into criticizing themselves. Over and over and over, the Koreans would nitpick every single aspect of the Americans until the Americans would believe these insults and fill themselves with self-condemnation. Eventually the growing humiliation would completely break down the personalities and the psychological makeup of these prisoners turning them into different people than when they were first captured. And it was a gradual process. None of the prisoners could recognize the change until some of them managed to escape to others who could see and understand that these were not the same people. They were broken. They were discouraged. They were pessimistic. They were filled with self-condemnation and self-pity. They were filled with the very same effects that we find within a cult. The similarities between this psychological warfare and the cult that I was born into are absolutely striking. For those like myself that were born into it, there was no prior personality to compare. We were molded and we were programmed our entire lives into the people that we became. But to others, those who lived normal lives until they became trapped inside of a cult, the story is much different. The change in their lives was clearly visible. A reporter from the Lifestyle magazine named You interviewed the family of a young woman who became trapped into the cult that my family grew up with. The young woman was not born into a cult, but fell in love with a young man who was. And as she started attending the cult church, she began to change. The change was not evident at first, it was gradual. Over time, her personality changed to the point that even her own family and friends became outcast. Like the prisoners of war in Korea, she became broken, self-condemning, and in all ways different. The mother is quoted as being shocked that this much of a change could happen in her daughter. My children were real achievers and involved in church work, nobody thought that this could happen to us she said the loving mother knew something was wrong and knew that her daughter was no longer the same ambitious and motivated daughter that she once knew and put a plan into motion they snuck into her canadian home in the early hours past midnight whisked her into africa to a deprogramming facility and then spent the next several weeks deprogramming her daughter from the mind control and the psychological warfare from the cult. She was emotionless, her mother said. I didn't know her. It was heartbreaking. Finally, after ripping a great deal of the programming from her mind, even the young woman was shocked. Especially shocked that she could so suddenly be turned from her own parents. The cult began breaking her down, filling her with self-condemnation for the life that she lived and the way that her mother had raised her. They persuaded me that my parents were trying to keep me from a better life, she said. But finally, after weeks of help from a doctor, the young woman could love her family once more. She was thankful that her mother loved her enough to risk real danger To take her and find help for her. She said, At times like this, you realize the value of a family. This was not like some cult that you see in the movies with dark dungeons and men in long brown robes. This was not some dark building where the people sat around a large five pointed star holding up candles to the man that's in the center. The young people, the young woman described this woman. She described this cult church as being like any other church, a very inviting place from the outside. She said, it seemed like an ordinary church to me. The people wore, the women wore long dresses, but apart from that, there was nothing unusual. The people inside the cult are good, loving people. They will show you real kindness as they see you as a prospect. They will show you even more kindness if you come inside their walls. Some will tell you that once you become one of them, you become a loved family. But watch what happens when you're no longer one of them. And see, this one of them is part of the cult programming. There are several aspects to psychological warfare that are very common routine in a cult. Some of these techniques are employed regularly without even realizing that these techniques have a long-lasting effect. A state of hypnosis is required. Not the waving of a pocket watch by a creepy-looking man who stares you in the eyes and tells you that, to listen for a snap of the finger, but rather the mental state of hypnosis where your mind becomes placed into a really high state of suggestibility relaxation, meditation. The church is the perfect place for this. Especially these cult churches that force silence prior to the service. The people are forced to enter into meditation in reverence to the Lord. And the music can be a factor. Music with rhythms having beats that are close to the human heartbeat will cause even more suggestibility. The closer the patient becomes towards sleep, the more powerful the suggestibility. While you find upbeat, exciting songs praising Christ for His work on the cross in other churches, you'll find many cult churches with slow, very dragging music. I remember one man telling me after attending the service in the cult that I attended, he said, That sounded like funeral music. And it did. Once the cult people are programmed to receive you'll find many cult pastors with this charismatic style preaching screaming at the top of their lungs as though they're preaching to an entire arena filled with 300,000 people without having a microphone. Many of these pastors will scream like this in a church of just 50 people. And they have microphones. Those who have never heard this style of preaching, they'll laugh at you and they'll make statements like, that man sounded like Hitler. And they're not far from the truth. There's a pattern in psychological warfare. The men who were masterminds of the controlling of people, through power of psychology, they have one thing in common. They are remembered as screamers. When the person is most receptive to programming, the loud voice at the platform is seen as a a figure of authority far greater than before. The words start to come in a rhythmic beat, matching close to that of the heartbeat. Then as the pastor gets deep into the sermon, and the congregation becomes adjusted to this rhythm, the pastor starts filling them with the same type of self-condemnation strategy that the Koreans employed during the war through psychological warfare this strategy has worked it has changed the personalities of Nazi soldiers under Hitler so much that they did unspeakable crimes against humanity it has raised many military leaders into power in several communistic developing nations and it makes the people Lift the pastor into power. When a cult pastor is lifted into power, very few question his motives and his objectives. He becomes the leader, not the shepherd. Rather than leading the sheep and pointing them to Christ and the Bible, the people respect his own understanding of Scripture without confirming the doctrines for themselves. They are truly programmed to receive. The number one question I get asked from those escaping the cult that I was born into is this. If our cult leader was not the messenger for the hour, then who is? They have been programmed. They've been programmed to lift a man into power. They've been programmed to bring that man into the ultimate authority, which essentially is the same thing as worship. They have been programmed to worship a man. This is not scriptural. If you twist scriptures from the Old Testament under the Old Covenant, you might be able to stretch it enough to place the high priest into authority. The cult I came from stretched it even farther to lift the prophets into the ultimate authority, not realizing that the high priests were the ones at the highest ranking position under the Jewish tradition prophets were nothing more than humble men putting themselves out of the way so that god could speak through them but that's the old testament this is the that is the old covenant we're under the new covenant of grace not the old covenant of law we no longer make yearly journeys to offer our sacrifice to the earthly high priest we're no longer reminded of our sins we're no longer to even be reminded of our sins As these cult pastors try to do with their condemnation and self-condemnation, psychological warfare. There was one final sacrifice, and it was nailed to the cross once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10 says that the yearly sacrifice was a shadow of things to come. Meaning that they were given to the children of Israel as a type for the final sacrifice that would be offered by Christ. It says that the old way was inefficient. We were constantly reminded of our sin because the blood of bulls and goats can never take away our sin. The book of Hebrews teaches us how we should preach, something that very few pastors in the cult will even follow. They themselves are programmed to receive and are following their instincts that are based on their own programmed mind. There is no self-condemnation. There is no provision for pointing fingers at the congregation on a weekly basis, reminding them of their sin. There is no belittling the people, breaking them down into submission so that the pastor can become the hero during some massive altar call. He is not supposed to be the hero of the story. Hebrews chapter 7 tells us, That we have a new high priest. And that high priest is Jesus Christ. He's a high priest forever. Not until some cult leader comes along and deploys strategies of mind control and self-condemnation to lift himself into power. Christ is the one that we're supposed to follow. We're supposed to follow him by the leading of the Holy Spirit that is within us. I wish there were some easy answer that i could give to those that are struggling to deprogram i wish there were some way that i could say it's easy just do this i wish i could point them to a doctor that would make the transition easy or to some self-help program that will make the deprogramming much less painful but i can't those who have gone through deprogramming will tell you that this is the single most painful part of the experience as they tried to escape a cult, it is a roller coaster of emotion, from deep, painful sorrow to anger and hatred of that system that has changed their personalities to such bitter, self-condemning people. It brings great compassion to those that have been hurt by the programming, by the programmed pride of being the chosen few in that us against them programmed mentality. That compassion is so extreme that it becomes painful. But there is a book that I can point you to that will have all of the answers. It's a book that they've held in their hands all this time. And it was patiently waiting for them to open it up and unlock its power. It's a book that will teach you to respect themselves. It will teach them to respect others. It will teach them to show love, compassion, and mercy on their fellow man even to those who do not believe the same way that they do it's a book that does have all the answers if they'll just take the time to study and read that book is the bible <laughs>